No driving gloves. We're here with you again. I think Derek's got something we're going to talk about. The gloves are off. Welcome to the Authority and Car Talk. No driving gloves. From exotics to brass era to I'll get to it someday. Where experience, knowledge, and controversy share the same seat. Buckle up and hang on for the ride. Now for your host for No Driving Gloves, John and Derek. It's something that I think a lot of us encounter. Let's see, Derek, how you doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty good, John. Before we jump into that topic, I can, uh, you know, just say that I'm doing good. I'm relaxed. I'm traveling a little bit, just taking it easy, spending time with family. So, you know, things are pretty good. I've been working. It's been one of those weeks for me. Hotel Tuesday night. Power was out. I got to eat pizza in the semi-dark. Two nights ago... I had a lightning strike near the old uh, humble abode and lost my internet for like 18 hours, which, eh, wine, wine, wine. I know there's some people without power for even longer. Got home yesterday from a nice day at the lake and about 1130 at night, the internet doesn't work and turns out I need a new router. So that's a bad week for me. So I guess that's really not a bad week. It is pretty amazing how advanced our society has gotten that when little things like that happen, we're like, oh, man, this this just ruins everything. My, my internet's down or the cable's down, <laughs> and we kind of don't always take it as well as we should. That's enough whining about internet technology. Let's talk cars. What do you got, John? What do you got that's car-related? Car related. Or do we want to complain more about the internet, but in a different way? Because my Ford's been in the shop and I had some issues with the dealership when it first started. But once we actually talked, everything's fine. And it, it's been, you know, it took a little bit of time to get this back ordered part, but should fix the transmission issues. And then they're doing a radio thing. But I've been using rental cars the last couple of weeks. And I've learned, fell back in love with CarPlay. Uh, I know you're an Android guy, but I'm an Apple guy. I absolutely love Apple CarPlay. Ironically, what's holding the Ford up is the radio, but they won't give me a better radio in the car. I still got to stay with the dumb Sync 1 system. So I can't have CarPlay in it. But a friend of mine bought one of these rearview mirror cover type things, and it's got a dash cam in it and a rear view camera and it actually has apple carplay that will work bluetooth or wired and I got thinking about that wow for 80 bucks to really as much as you want to spend but it seems for between 80 and about 200 dollars you can buy these little things that remind me of my old gps that suction cup to the window or stick or screw to your dashboard or whatever that do the, exactly that. It adds Apple CarPlay to your vehicle. And I'm waiting to get the car back, but I think I'm going to order one of these units. I just, 
love Apple CarPlay. And then it got me thinking, Randy drives a newer Toyota, blah, blah, blah. It should have Apple CarPlay in it. And she has the first year of this redesign. And Apple CarPlay wasn't in, put in it. And this is this is my bitch or my irritation. Sorry, those that say we whine too much. I researched, and in 19, CarPlay became available for the car. And Toyota sent out a service bulletin to all of their dealers that if somebody comes in for service with a 2018 Camry, you do this update. Now, she bought the car used, but through a Toyota dealership. And she's had it, well, two and a half years. Took it in, and I've complained that one of the Toyota dealerships ripped her off for a thousand bucks, etc. But I went in and said, This thing doesn't have CarPlay. And so I researched and says, You flip this little switch and you have CarPlay. Well, this car's been into Toyota three or four times since the time she's owned it. And who knows how many times before she bought it. And it was bought through a Toyota dealership. They've never done the software update. And it's just irks me that you bring your car in, they rip you off for a thousand bucks and they still don't do what they're supposed to do from Toyota. And I'm going to be, and this mandate came down in mid, the mid, mid 2020. So I would think every time you bring the car in, you should plug it into the computer and it'll tell you all of these technical service bulletins that need to be done. So I'm curious on, are they going to still honor the free upgrade to her car? Are they going to try to weasel into some money out of this because they were reimbursed already for doing this work? There's there's my car wine for you. I don't even know what to say to that. That's just, ugh. Do you have CarPlay or Android Auto in any any of your vehicles, and do you use it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have Android Auto and I'm I'm reasonably sure both vehicles have Apple CarPlay. But yeah, I I use uh Android Auto like every day. I you know, I get in my car, I plug in the phone so it's charging and just because I drive through Nashville traffic, I pretty much regularly use the GPS system on you know from my phone. Google, you know, the Google Maps GPS gives live traffic updates and I can avoid backups and accidents and all of that. Yeah. And then I can play music from wherever I want or listen to podcasts on whatever app I get my podcasts from, including no driving gloves. Okay. I love Android Auto because I don't use Apple CarPlay, but it's just convenient. It makes it makes traveling convenient uh, no matter where you're going, whether it's work or long distance travel like I'm doing right now. And yeah, I mean, everything's right there. And I, I'm one of those people that hate commercials on radio stations. It's nice to have music and podcasts where I don't always have to listen to commercials every two minutes for five minutes and then go back to two minutes of music. So 30 to 35% of all airtime on commercial radio is commercials. 
it's slowly working working its way into its name. That's why they call it commercial radio. Yeah, I can't remember. I think my SHO was the first vehicle that had CarPlay. I loved it. Uh, I know the the Fusion hand. It's one of the things I always said. Technology is one of the things that kept, was going to keep me away from the Mini. And while my Mini's got all these fabulous options, whoever spec the thing out was probably a dealership spec. Spec the most basic radio in the thing. Now, Mini didn't introduce CarPlay until 21 or 22, but it was upgradable in every audio system except this absolute base one. So when I first bought the Mini, I, I was almost prepared to spend two grand to swap out this entire audio system in it to another factory Mini one to get CarPlay in the Mini. It's one of the things that irritated me with the Ford uh, that I bought. And when I first got it, I did the research on upgrading it from the Sync 1 system to the Sync 3 or Sync 4 system that would have CarPlay and the touchscreen and everything. And that was going to be a thousand and some dollar option. Now, I'm sure these hundred dollar add-ons aren't perfect, but the main thing I want is just the larger interface, the ability to text much easier, you know, have a text read to you and reply without having to jump screens. And there's just so many things I do. Like when I'm listening mm -hmm. to a podcast and I want to take notes, I either have to open my iPad and hit and go to notes and hit the audio thing and dictate the note or pause the podcast and do this. And I'm just fine with CarPlay. It's I click over to the notes app. I dictate the note, I go back, It's and it's paused the podcast. And if you don't have it or you're not using it in your vehicle, it's really something worth looking at. I think it is a, a good safety project. What's up with you in the car world? Let me shut up for about 20 minutes. And <laughs> no, actually, it's kind of funny because you in all of that, you mentioned that you know, you didn't want to whine and, and bitch this whole time. And that reminded me, we used to uh, try a thing on the show. Was it, was it the bitch of the week or the gripe of the week or whatever we did back, yeah. back in the day? Yeah, I could feel, I, I feel like this could be our like one show for that, for maybe this month. Maybe that's how we have to do it. We do one show a month. The, the every other bitch show. <laughs> the other yeah, there you go. As we were talking in the pre-show, that's kind of what my topic is today, or my my point of discussion. And and I've always done this. I either identify photos of cars, or identify cars, or obviously research and and track the history of cars. A vehicle got posted, and I'm going to be kind of cautious how I talk about it, probably so. It doesn't give away too much, but so recently a vehicle got posted on social media that the owners didn't know what it was. They knew a little bit of history on it. They were trying to figure out what it is, what it's worth, because they're getting older. They're trying to get rid of the stuff they've collected. And I was like, well, that's interesting. It's an interesting looking vehicle. Yeah, there's some stuff about it that I can already tell. There's questions. Then I read a little bit into the post and realized they live about 15 minutes from my house. I was like, oh, that's that's really interesting. They're close. 
and started reading the wonderful comments section on Facebook. And I just don't get the people in this world that have to get on Facebook or any social media account. And number one, maybe it's just that they they think they know more than they do. People had immediately started attacking this older couple that's just trying to figure out what they have and what they should do with it. And I mean, the comments were just, well, that's clearly, you know, somebody, somebody fiberglass that together and, and this and that. And I can tell I've been around this forever. And it just, it irritated me to a point where I reached out to the owners because they're 15 minutes away and basically said, Hey, you know, I live 15 minutes away. This is who I am. This is what I do. Yeah, so I I was like, I will help you figure this out. I'm I'm not charging them money for research. I'm not doing anything. I'm just being neighborly, right? They're a neighbor. And so I go over there and I kind of already knew what what this thing was. But there were some details that need to be figured out, figured out. Go over there, take a look at it. Immediately, immediately within the first two minutes of being there. Almost all of the negative comments about the vehicle, and it's it's oh that seat's made of fiberglass, and and that back end is is a modified Model T, or, you know, nineteen twenty six twenty seven rear turtle deck, and and this and this and this and this was all wrong. Every single detail that the the armchair quarterbacks, the keyboard warriors on on the social medias were putting in there to this couple that were just trying to figure out what they had were completely off base. But you know what? Those guys knew exactly what they were talking about. Why do people have to do that? If you cannot see the, the vehicle in person, if you cannot study it and actually physically be there to touch it, to open doors, to look underneath it, to gather the hard evidence. Why do you feel you need to comment from a picture that's posted online? It just makes no sense to me. It, it, it just, it, it irritated me beyond belief. And I had people, a couple people even reach out to me because I comment in, in the post. I, I made comment and I did not say anything negative. I literally just commented to the original poster that I lived close, I wanted help, and I would be reaching out via a private message. And I had a couple people, just from seeing me message that to them, reach out to me via private message. Not any of the people that were being negative, but a couple of the people that were very positive about the situation. And turns out, one of the people knew the car from back in the 1970s and 80s and was able to piece all of its history together for us and make it make sense. But every single negative comment about the vehicle and how it was constructed and what it was, was 100% off base. And it just... I don't know. This just this just irritates me, John. And, and maybe it's because I've been on the 
this side that got attacked in the past for you know various things in in automotive history and i just don't get why people have to do it does it really make you feel better about a, about being a person i don't know if it makes you feel better about being a person i think it really emphasizes human nature though we hear this all the time the keyboard warriors i think you use that term pre-show and anything you put on facebook uh somebody's got to criticize in that and former guest tony watley comments on this quite often with influencers that you know three weeks ago they're secret document experts a year ago they're covid experts this then they're all of a sudden they're submarine experts and it's the same people or if they're you know influencing th- this is the hottest way i made a million bucks you know this month and three months later they've totally pivoted to another you know whole different business model and this is the way by this program and People complain about that on the internet. Let, let me add to it, because it wasn't just a general post like out in the Facebook world, but it was actually in one of the antique vehicle groups, club groups, that I belong to as a member and on Facebook. It wasn't like this was out in the general public. This was focused to a group of antique vehicle collectors. It's another way that we chase people away because we get on there and we're like, well, you don't know what you have. Why are you part of this? Where I was going with my whole thing is this happened before the Internet. It happens, I'll be honest, every Sunday during football season. It happens every Saturday during football season in Alabama. We have our armchair quarterbacks, people who know better. I'm not a huge football guy, but I'm in Alabama and we all, I think everybody's heard of Nick Saban. This guy spends 90 hours a week studying football. But I sit there and I watch, I've watched games with people that their entire football thing is putting on an Alabama shirt on a Sunday morning, maybe having a red car or something like that, drinking. 16 beers before the game, watching the game, criticizing everything the coaches are doing. And then this is what they should have done. This is what they should have done. It's the exact same thing that's been on social media. We've just always are the internet, not necessarily social media. We've always done this. We've just done it in the privacy of our own homes. It's just like political rants. It's always existed. We've always disagreed politically but we've done it in the privacy of our own home. Now we have this thing that lets us talk to the world, and we th- we all think we are the smartest, we know it all, and unfortunately, or the funny thing about common sense, is what, this is what I've heard about common sense. It's not very common. People just want this. It was, we talked about this, I'm going, you know what would be cool? Is to try to find a sports social media site or create one. Here's an idea for any of you uh, startup idea people where it can be football people and you can join into your game and you guys can all bicker and argue back and forth on your keyboards during the game. 
first of all, you'll miss 90% of the game because you're going to know what's going on. And you'll be able to vent. You'll be able to tell thousands of people why this coach or this player, you know, why, why this was wrong or why this was a bad call. I mean, I find myself even doing it as a boy. I would have done this. I think this is the wrong play. I wouldn't have went for two points. And I know some of you are very, very car oriented and don't understand sports. But, you know, every now and then I'll eventually, you know, watch a round of football and, you know, see see something like that. I'm using sports, but. Well, I guess maybe it, maybe it irritated me a little bit more than normal because this. It was it was clear all by just doing a little bit of, of looking and reading that this was I, I hate to say anything that sounds bad, but it's it's an elderly couple. It's a, a senior citizen couple, right? That are just trying to get some help figuring out what they have. They bought the car for just for fun years ago. Just it just hit me because I guess, where did our courtesy, common courtesy go? Where did our, as many of us were raised, respecting your elders go? These, This is just a, a couple that was asking for help. And be polite, be patient. I even had to tell them that they didn't have what they thought they had, but I did it in a polite way. I went and looked at the vehicle. I studied it. I got some information. And I told them, look, this is this is what I see. This is this is what this vehicle is. Then when the person reached out after they finally saw it, that knew the car from back when it was constructed, it all fell together. It's like, yeah, okay, this is what the car is. Here's the evidence. It actually has a little bit of significance to it just because of the person who constructed it and some of the story behind it. I just don't understand the the need to put everybody down. Uh, I'm sorry, John, I'm at a loss here. I'm thinking, and you're in a specific group and talking about us. The thing is with what's happening there, it can affect the value of the car because all of a sudden there's doubt. I mean, I get, I watch posts all the time and read things all the time and it doesn't matter Cigars, cars, guitars, whatever. Somebody asks us, uh, you know, a simple question. Um, to, and I'm trying to, uh, like, I'll say one of the RV groups. Somebody will ask, I've got this trailer and I'm thinking of converting this refrigerator to this, to this, to this. And they show a picture of the trailer and all of a sudden they're criticizing the tow vehicle they're using. Ask, answer the damn question. You know, so what about the tow vehicle? And you go through 800 posts and nobody said, yeah, this is all you have to do to fix your refrigerator. But no, that 18 different trucks have been explained and then they've been argued. Oh, no, I towed the same truck. Tr Just get on there, read the question. You know, don't give them additional information. Yeah, they've been, you know, well, I, you know, they've had this rig for, 11 years and they've been towing it with the same truck and they do it 80,000 miles a year. Maybe it's not such a problem for them, but the fact that, you know, they can't keep their wine cold 
why they're traveling, that that's their problem right now. It's not that the, you know, this, you know, XYZ Tesla Cybertruck can't, you know, isn't rated to tow their vehicle, whatever. Answer the questions, go on. If they're not, if you're not providing to expand the person's knowledge on what they're seeking, they sure as hell aren't going to listen to you when they actually have an issue that you might have knowledge. I'm involved and I've been involved with a car for, I guess I go back to about 2014, 2015, maybe when I was first asked to look at this car for one, one gentleman. And now one of my remaining automotive consultant clients actually went and bought the car. You know, I didn't know. I just knew he ended up bought it. He was never brought in in the beginning. And when I started to research the car for the first guy, there was a lot of controversy about this car. And while this guy has more money than God, I mean, he has serious FU money. I advised him not to buy the car because there's going to be so much controversy, you're going to almost be embarrassed to own it, and it's going to be a nightmare to resell. Jump ahead to 2019 when I'm hired by this other collector to, you know, do some curation on his collection, and he's the one who owns the car. Now, I've, I've owned, known this guy for 13 or 14 years also. One of their things is they would like to sell this car. They paid X number of dollars you know, six figures um, and they would like to sell it for in the seven figures. There's all kinds of stories. And this goes back to pre-internet. It actually goes back to written communications and that. I can't even get any expert to come look at the car because of the controversy surrounding the car, because even the experts on this particular type of car don't want to say yes or no because of the controversy, because if they all of a sudden say yes, they're going against the movement. And if you follow the path of this car, it had a very, very clean, pretty history until it was put up for sale and a, a buyer wanted it and had kind of made it clear he wanted it. And somehow it was sold to someone else. And then all of a sudden that buyer started to say, well, I didn't get it because of this and this and this and this. And like I said, this kind of early days of the internet is when this happened. And certain people knew the car and knew the history of it. And unfortunately, some of those people have passed. A couple of them, one of them was supposed to actually go in and testify, do an affidavit about the authenticity of the car. And he died like three days before he was scheduled to go in and do this after David. And it's just, maybe the car's real to maybe the car's not. But because of all the armchair quarterbacks on this deal, nobody wants to even look at it to see if it's real. Some people say, yeah, I know the story behind the car. And, there, you know, there's a history there and it, it goes really clean. And then all of a sudden it gets fuzzy. I, don't, I, I can't come look at it because I don't want to put my name on it. The owner doesn't want to take the risk of, you know, I said, the only way you're going to find out what the thing's worth is to put it out there. 
And he's afraid to put it out there because of what might happen with a car. It's going to absolutely destroy the value or it's going to absolutely win. You know, right now you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars tied up into this thing. And unless you do, in my opinion, unless you do this and let it go out there and let the arguments fly and you're never going to make the profit that you think you should make on this because of the way these cars have increased in value because you're not whisk, risking losing a little bit just in case all the arguments. This this guy is at a point that when he sells this car, it's it's either going to sell and it's going to be an authentic, original car or it's going to be a fake with original parts on it. Again, it's just people that, you know, somebody got mad Somebody trashed the vehicle and people who had never seen or dealt with the car kind of got on board with this other guy because he's very, he's a known expert, but he got his, you know, panties in a wad over the whole deal. And it's just unfortunate that our hobby is that way. It takes, you know, all of the fun out of it, uh, especially if you risk losing two or three hundred thousand dollars. You know, there's never going to be an answer for it. So like I said, it existed before the Internet. It'll exist long after the Internet. I did not know there were so many carbon fiber experts out in the world, you know, until until that submarine imploded. Yeah, yeah that's true. Carbon yeah. fiber is the greatest material in the world six weeks ago. But now all of a sudden there's a problem with it and you can't do certain things with it. If I understand correctly, there are a couple carbon fiber submarines but they are not constructed kind of the exact same way that unfortunately that one was and i've only heard one person really say hey this is the reason i feel it happened and it makes sense because of dissimilar metals or materials i see the same thing with certain things that hey if you look at this logically this is what it is it might not be the answer you want right I try to be a little bit of a voice of reason, but people get on their little high horse. I had a Facebook post this week, and it was mainly to criticize car salesmen and internet postings. Reasonably locally, Montgomery, Alabama, there is what now I have learned, a factory authorized 2022 Dodge Challenger RT convertible. In 22 and 23, you could order a Challenger and check an option box, and Dodge would take your car when it was finished, ship it to, and I don't know which aftermarket company, and it would be turned into a convertible, still carry all the factory warranties, everything's warrantied through Dodge, even the top mechanism and all that. You know, it was officially authorized. This is the way things were done before. The ASC McLaren Mustangs were done that way. Uh, the original, I think, F-body convertibles were done that way. Uh, the original Chrysler convertibles were done that way, whether they went to ASC or whoever. Everybody gets on there and, oh, I, I, I bought my Hellcat for that much money. I, you know, well, it's an RT and it only has X 340 horsepower or whatever, and I could have this much faster car. You're not the clientele to buy a convertible Challenger, and it was a $26,000 option. Guess what? A Hellcat's a $20,000, $25,000 option. So apples to apples, which option did you want? And I believe you could get it on a Hellcat. So if you wanted a convertible Hellcat, it was just going to cost you hundred grand. 
you know, all of a sudden these people are talking about how they could buy a much faster car rather than the fact that this car is pictured as a convertible, but nowhere in the description is it a convertible. It is all the boilerplate Challenger information. If I was searching Dodge Challenger convertible, this car would not come up because the word convertible is not mentioned once. Maybe there's a reason this car is now sat on your lot for 170 days and you've had to drop the price $15,000 because you're not advertising what it is. These are extremely rare cars. Maybe that word convertible would help you sell it. I was criticizing one thing and the whole post just went somewhere else that it costs too much money because it's, you know, you can buy a faster car. I would rather have my top go down than be able to, you know, spin my tires for 14 blocks. Just you, John. I don't know if we're, you know, this is kind of the bitch and rant. Let us know what you think about this, you know, keyboard warrior stuff. We're not going to go too much longer. Otherwise, it's just going to boil down and do one of one of those internet conversations. But, you know, you can reach out to us, nodrivinggloves.com. Our emails are there. Or, nope, the producer at No Driving Gloves. Check out our store at nodrivinggloves.com. Subscribe or follow the show there. Tell a friend about us. You know, oh boy, these guys just talked about keyboard warriors and how they affected the value of your cars or not answering questions and making us all look like dicks. Share it with your IT guys and come up with our sports forums for during the games. And go on our social media and make negative comments that have nothing to do with what we post. Sorry, digress. Miami Vice post, somebody had posted a picture of an original day or a day of a Ferrari Daytona convertible and the McBurney replica. And uh, these are the differences. And somebody gets on there and goes, oh, that's chassis number, whatever, whatever, whatever. Ferrari Daytona. And that was that was originally a coupe car and it was converted to a convertible and it's very well known. And but it's still. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Miami Vice and comparing McBurney to the Daytona and that's a nice bit of information, but then let's not get into the 18 other commenters on uh, why did they do this and what a stupid thing to do. And I would rather have it, you know, why would you cut a coupe to make it a convertible and totally different world people. Yeah. Pick up a book, do a little bit of research before you start commenting, you know, if you do a little bit of research, we probably cut down social media traffic by 90%. Just because you're too lazy to Google something. That'd be nice. Thanks, Derek. You got me on a big bitch rant. It's almost time to introduce my new podcast. <laughs> but anything else? For you? Anything to uh, wrap this up? Or That's what I'm here for, John. That's what I'm here for. I guess your closing statement, Derek. Just asking everybody to be nice. That's my closing statement. Can we just be nice to each other? Be nice, play fair, and if you don't know, you don't know. Exactly. And with that, I'm trying to think of a really cool saying. Keep your air in despair and your bag in the wheel. Ouch. Ouch. I really don't like that one. Keep your air in despair and your bag in the wheel. It's how about I keep my air and my tires in the bag in the wheel? <laughs> Don't forget to change your blinker fluid. That one doesn't worry you. Pay attention to your fluids.
and make sure you have a thank you for joining us make sure you have a clean dipstick talk to you all later this show was a part of the no driving gloves network produced and edited by john viviani of magic city podcast with voice work by gary conger so until the next exit 